Welcome to the Don Pravda and Erica Gray Show. The Twist. Welcome to the Twist News. I'm Erica Gray. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Don Pravda. And today we're going to talk about both Anthony Blinken, who is the United States Secretary of State, and Sergei Lavrov, Russia's foreign minister. You all know that the conflict now between Russia and the United States is pretty pronounced. And there's a lot of misinformation in the U.S. media. So we're going to put both men side by side so that you can see the differences and hear what each of them has to say. Only you're going to hear it with our commentary. An excellent idea. Eric. Thank you, Mr. Pravda. Hit it. A quick history on both men. Sergei Lavrov is a seasoned diplomat, having served as Russia's foreign minister since 2004. Prior to that, he represented Russia at the UN for 10 years. As a student in high school, he loved physics and considered a career in physics and technology, but chose instead to go to the Moscow State Institute of International Relations. He might in part have had his interests sparked by his mother who worked in the Soviet Ministry for Foreign Trade. During Lavrov's time in college, he learned four languages, which includes English and French. He has essentially served Russia as a diplomat in various capacities and roles since 1972. Lavrov is exceptionally analytical, which is evidenced by his speeches, and he is a walking encyclopedia of international agreements. He approaches his work like a lawyer presenting the facts. Given his sophistication and proficiency, he has no patience with U.S. politicians who approach him with diatribe rather than facts that challenge the ones he presents, which he is open to discuss and negotiate. Anthony Blinken, like Sergei Lavrov, is also a career diplomat who also had a parent in a government position. His father served as the U.S. ambassador to Hungary and his uncle as the U.S. ambassador to Belgium. Blinken possesses a phenomenal U.S. pedigree. He is a Harvard graduate and earned a JD from Columbia University. He has held senior foreign policy positions in two administrations for over two decades. In an unusual twist, Blinken, for being a lawyer and having practiced law in both the U.S. and Paris, is the opposite of Lavrov in his statements and he repeats U.S. propaganda and catchphrases to reinforce its message to the U.S. and European populations. Unlike Lavrov, who appears stern while making his statements, Blinken appears distressed and broken in spirit, as if the U.S.-Russia relations conflict is so grim he can hardly bear it, or he is being forced to repeat a narrative that is beneath his aptitude and he has no choice in the matter. So Don, what do you think of my bios on both individuals? Uh, I know I was a little harsh on Anthony Blinken. Well, I first say, what do I know about physics? Nothing. So <laughs> <laughs> that, that's uh, Mr. Lavrod's background, very analytical. 
I'd say I'm more creative and more poetic. However, Mr. Blinken has quite a background. I've also gone to Columbia University, not to the law school. Harvard, Columbia, he's a very smart guy. He's from a prestigious family, and I understand his father was quite a remarkable man, and uh, as perhaps his uncle was as well. But, however, his ideas may not may conflict with our ideas, so we'll intelligently speak about that. Yes, and just like you can see here in this photo we have, or this still from the video that was broadcast by PBS Frontline, he doesn't look so smiling as he does in his bio picture. He looks rather distressed. So I really got this from how he looks ever since he's been in this position. But let's hear what he has to say and make some commentary. And after this, after we look at Anthony Blinken, we will be also critiquing Sergei Lavrov. Was not going to give up on Ukraine. Everything that we said to the Russians in advance of the aggression, as we saw it mounting, uh, that we would do, we've done. Uh, I don't think there can be any doubt about uh, President Biden um, saying what he, what he thinks and then doing uh, what he says. One more question about that speech, because it's sort of remarkable, the speech that he gives, because so much of it is about the West, mm -hmm. is about the United States. He's invaded Ukraine, but the speech is about the West, mm -hmm. is about the United States. It almost seems like Vladimir Putin sees a conflict between, the, this is a conflict between the United States and Russia. Is that accurate? Is that how he sees it? Is that how you see it? Uh, it's not, but Putin would like to make it that way, or at least make it seem that way, uh, because he needs to be able to further justify what he's doing uh, to his own people. I want to say two things here. First, you see this use of aggression, the word aggression. This is part of the propaganda. And Don, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. You know how I loathe and despise conspiracies. True. And how the minute somebody's a conspiracy theorist, I've got to walk out and go find another person to talk to. So you know my thoughts on conspiracy theorists. But this kind of sounds like there's something going on here because whether you listen to a US politician, US media, European politician, they all emphasize Russia aggression. Sergey Lavrov, he is, he is also clearly bullied. He's, he's both bullied and ignored by Western diplomats and his statements that should be examined by U.S. diplomats and journalists and provide the basis for discussion fall on deaf ears. Well, first, Don, let me go into a little bit of history here. The U.S. and Russia's disputes go back to the late 1990s, when according to the Russia news agency TASS, in February 1999, quoted Lavrov as stating that the U.S. first violated the INF Treaty, that the U.S. counters it was breached by Russia in the mid-2000s. According to the Senate hearing before the Committee on Foreign Relations on June 7, 2016, titled Violations of Borders, Treaties, and Human Rights, it features the discredited Victoria Nuland, whose blank the Europeans comment were broadcast and whose administration was called out for spying on Germany and hacking into then-Chancellor Angela Merkel's phone. The report treats Russia 
as if it were a rogue state of the United States that was disobeying its rules, and it sounds pretty hypocritical and overblown. Some of the issues it condemns Russia for are happening in our own country. It also fails to recount the Keystone Cop antics in the Ukraine and the history prior to Crimea. So you have in this Senate report all of this discussion of all the, the terrible things that Russia has done, you know, with Georgia, and basically all this talk of Russia aggression, it's clearly a propaganda term, and you see it used so frequently in their speeches in the U.S. media, and it's not based in fact. The U.S. cites Georgia in 2008 and Ukraine in 2014 onward, when in the same time period, the United States fought in Afghanistan, Iraq, and had interventions in Yemen, Northwest Pakistan, Somalia, Libya, Niger, and on the cusp in Uganda. Finally, the U.S. is now fighting this proxy war with Russia, but his statement here is like gaslighting. He's gaslighting, and he's accusing Russia of what the U.S. is doing. The U.S. is now pitting itself against Russia in a conflict that, frankly, is not our business. What are we doing there? Why? What do they want to know? I don't know. I really don't. Why are we there? Well, if you don't know, I don't know. Well, let's listen to some more of what okay. distressed. Look at his eyes. He's like a broken man. Let's look at more of what distressed Anthony Blinken is programmed to say here, because you can't fathom that somebody with a pedigree like he has would just be repeating propaganda. But let's hear more of what he has to say. And broadening it into some kind of conflict with the United States, with the West, with NATO. Uh, take your pick. Wait a minute. Broadening it? It was the Western NATO who's on this Ukrainian sovereignty and they can decide to have missiles facing Russia and Russia should just say, okay, even though we didn't like with the Cuban Missile Crisis, the idea of missiles facing us. I mean, it's okay. So what he's saying here doesn't even make any sense from a policy perspective. Well, we sure hope we're not going to have an, another missile crisis, but... There was a Russian uh, politician who suggested doing uh, yes. just that, of Correct. suggesting missiles now in one of the countries that Russia's friendly with, who borders our, that borders our country to see how we would like it. So, but the terminology here, you know, that Russia is turning this into a broader conflict. No, it's the United States that's turning Russia into an enemy when Russia was not an enemy. So let's keep going. Serves his purposes. Um, but this is fundamentally about one thing. It's about his aggression against Ukraine. His aggression against Ukraine. This is a conflict that goes back, as you know, many years. And you were just giving me some history of the history between Ukraine and Russia. Well, they go back to the seventh century. These these so-called separate cultures mm -hmm. really have been one. They're not truly enemies. They know each other. If you go to Second Avenue in the Lower East Side in the Ukrainian neighborhood, 
people are speaking Russian. Their children know Russian. And if they have sons and daughters, who are they looking for? Other Russians as a possibility. Interesting that you so, would get that experience just from the Ukrainians in New York. Well, Lower East Side, New York, New York, <laughs> Big Apple. Well, interesting, though. You're right, but there's the communities there, and you can yeah. learn a lot from the various communities. Okay, so let's hear more of what Mr. Blinken has to say. To erase its sovereignty. It's into efforts to erase its sovereignty. This issue of sovereignty. Russia no. can't have sovereignty. They can't, they can't have an issue with what may affect their country and bring it to other countries. No. You know why? You know why, Don? I'll tell you why. Because the United States and Europe are enacting bullyocracy. And bullyocracy listens to no reason, uses its currency and media as a weapon, and the U.S. media is now a weapon. And not only do you see the journalists repeating the same phrases as the politicians, and it's probably like two or three catchphrases, and one of them is Russian aggression, but also the U.S. and EU has leveled numerous sanctions against Russia and it individuals and their family members, but these are geopolitical bullies like their teenage counterparts and they're controlling and manipulative and self-seeking, and sorry, I'm on a rant right now, but like them, they possess the it's our way or the highway right. mentality. If you're not for us, right. you are against mm -hmm. us. If you don't look and act like we do, we will pick a fight with you. In bullyocracy, all news coming out of Russia is labeled propaganda. And, at, and as all bullies, they discredit their victims. Moreover, Don, this is now barroom diplomacy because the decisions are being made impulsively and angrily, which is typical of drunks. And just like a bunch of drunks in a barroom, there is no discussion. What's your take on no, that? However, there's a lot of discussion about Money. <laughs> Perhaps the war is about money. <laughs> what do you say, folks? About money, yes. Yeah. All the, let's see, defense contracts, the rebuilding of Ukraine, so that the U.S. could sell its gas at a much higher price. Let's talk about the pipelines and the rents that were paid on the pipeline. How about the U.S. taking out Nord Stream 1 and 2. How about Amazing. that? This right. is high school, Don. Taking it. This is like gangs in high school, isn't it? We used to have the expression, bullies. <laughs> <laughs> Who were the worst kids? The bullies were the worst kids. <laughs> Who were the worst bullies? But somehow they received very little detention. A lot of notice from us, but very little uh, detention or punishment, and they kept... Returning. Yeah, that's exactly what's yeah. happening here. His efforts to subsume it into Russia. That's what he's actually acknowledged himself. And that has failed. Uh, and so now uh, he needs to somehow justify what's happening, justify the horrific sacrifices that Russians are making on his orders uh, by broadening the aperture 
making this about something bigger. And that sounds like gaslighting to me, Don. It's just gaslighting. He's up there gaslighting. He's blaming on Russia what the United States is doing. I say bring out the pierogies, bring out the vodka, let's have a cup of coffee and settle this affair. Talking about the sacrifice of the Russians, the Russian soldiers. Well, what about the Ukrainians that are being sacrificed? Bennett, Natalie Bennett, just blew the lid open that there was an agreement that he brokered with Zelensky and Putin, and Putin was very reasonable. That's right. And the West stopped it. Not a surprise that it was brokered in Israel, and the West halted the affair. Yes. You have Blinken, who now looks like his soul was taken from him, well, doesn't he? He looks distressed, like somebody who is now having to speak a narrative that's not really from his soul, who's repeating and basically pinning on Russia what the United States is guilty of. Setting the table for what would be a, a test over the coming months about which direction Russia wanted to go in, and to make sure that President Putin heard directly from President Biden, what our preference was, but also what we'd be prepared for if Russia chose the wrong path. You mean if Russia didn't choose the right path? You know what the right path is? It was the path the United States wanted, our way or the highway. I, I wish we would have chose the wrong path. The wrong path is, is sending billions of dollars to, uh, to enter a war that we have no interest in that doesn't make any sense and has no future. But the future's in the fact that they're charging Europe four times. That's another thing, our allies. They love to tout our allies. Yeah, our allies, all right. That's why the Inflation Reduction Act basically disses on European companies or European green companies that's how we treat our allies. Uh, to his territorial integrity. Territorial integrity. More propaganda <laughs> terms. First and foremost to, to Ukraine, to Ukrainians, uh, but potentially in unleashing all sorts of forces that uh, could lead to wider conflict, as well as um, being a, a direct aggression against the, the very foundation of international relations. I mean, we talk in abstract terms about these, these principles established after the Second World War to try to make sure that we wouldn't have another world war uh, where there has to be a basic respect for the country's borders, for its independence, uh, for its, its sovereignty. You can't just go around changing another country's borders by force or invading them. Otherwise, if you do, and that happens with impunity, a Pandora's box is open and we're gonna have aggression and conflict around the world. So we saw these, these twin threats, a threat to Ukraine itself, a threat to the international system, if this was allowed to go forward. And that galvanized a rather extraordinary action on the part of the administration to bring this to the world, um, starting with our allies and partners, to make sure that they too understood what, what was coming, to do everything we could to prevent it, to avert the, uh, the Russian aggression, but also to make sure we were prepared if Russia went ahead nonetheless. Don, this is so misleading. It makes it sound as if Russia just one day decided we're going to attack Ukraine, we're going to start ma amassing troops, and we're just going to go in and take over this country. When this is an involved 
conflict with a history. What's your thoughts? This propaganda that's coming out of the U.S. news and also it's it's starting with the leadership repeating these very misleading terms and phrases. I think we should return to Korea and start a war for 20 years there. Once again, let's go back to Vietnam and start a war there again. Return to Vietnam, sort of like Rambo part two, Rocky <laughs> part two. Let's start it all again. Let's mix it up and declare a winner. I mean, what is it? Is it going, you know, first of all, they're, they're portraying Russia as imperialist. Is this idea that we're dealing with the old Soviet Union that's trying to spread communism around the globe. It's just shocking that the U.S. would actually be picking a fight with Russia. Well, what the U.S. needs to be doing or should have done was establish good relations, establish trade pacts, because Europe is certainly establishing those trade pacts while we're creating wars. Europe is hedging its economy. Europe is building its empire. And that empire is not in our interests. And we're helping that empire build. Our foreign policy just doesn't make any sense at all. And what? Do they think that the American people are going to feel that we're so strong now because we're picking this fight with Russia? Well, I remember the Democratic National Convention, Governor Mario Cuomo said, what do the Republicans do better than the Democrats? They wage war better. On the other hand, we have, we're in a democratic government right now and we're waging war with the Democrats. Seems to me that it's everybody's from the same cloth and we're continually in a state of war or aiding nations in a state of war. Is there any alternative to that? You're right, Don. There really isn't a difference, except that maybe one may be a little more conservative on certain issues than another. But even then, you have the liberal Republicans and the conservative Democrats. So where is the difference? There were Southern Democrats, there were conservative Republicans, and we headed to Vietnam and we stayed there a long time. Have a feeling, of course, we don't have troops there, but who knows? Maybe that's next. Do we want the boots on the ground, the Ukraine? No. The thing to do then is to talk about them, to engage in diplomacy, to engage in dialogue. And in fact, that's what happened. We, we, we started a direct conversation with Russia over their claim concerns. Um, we had a dialogue between NATO and Russia and this organization called the OSCE, which brings basically all of the countries of Europe together, including Ukraine, initiated uh, a similar dialogue with the Russians to test the proposition. Was this genuinely about security concerns that Russia... Oh yes, they had discussion all right, Don. It's our way or the highway. There was no discussion. There was no compromise. He's repeating lies here. He's making it sound as if there was real discussion and there wasn't. It was, you will accept it our way. And if you don't, we're going to fight you. Well, well maybe they sent faxes to each other or greeting cards. You mean with those <laughs> well, messages? Yeah, exchange business cards. Well, they <laughs> certainly did not exchange anything that meant anything. And he's over here giving facts that are inaccurate. The United States is not reasonable. They were not reasonable in this issue. Or was that simply a smokescreen as it prepared for the aggression? 
do you hear how many times he says Russia aggression? Russia aggression, Russia aggression. That is to program people. It's like when you go to the casinos, and I know you've been to a casino, and I've been to the Mohegan Sun once because I got dragged there. Didn't want to be there, but I got dragged there. And all the people in the casino are like zombies because there's some kind of a hum, some kind of a strange background music that plays to hypnotize them. Well, that's the same thing happening in the U.S. media and with these politicians. Russia aggression, Russia aggression, Russia aggression. Next thing you know, everybody's been like one of the sea pods, that movie, you know, where they got eaten by the sea pods and they all like lose their personalities. Well, that's happened in the United States because now they're all programmed because they're listening to the U.S. media and they're repeating the propaganda. Russia aggression, Russia aggression, Russia needs to be stopped. This is what this is. This is dangerous. Somebody, somebody up there must have figured this out and said, let's come up with four terms and let's plant this into the American people's heads and let's use it from the leadership so that we can justify the actions that we're about to take, the money that we're about to spend to protect our own interests. I say, I've seen the movie Wag the Dog. Let's invade Albania and let's do it right this time. And, uh, <laughs> You know, let's bring Do you think in, Albania will be next? Or what other country no, will be next? No, actually, Russia. Remember the Belushi brothers. Save Albania. And, and that's another thing. There's no understanding of Russian right. culture. Right. There's, in U.S. diplomacy, it's expecting every country to be like us, not even trying to understand the that's culture. Right. Russia is very protective of its people. Russia's the bear. You don't poke the bear's cubs. You don't do anything against a cub because that bear is going to come out. And that's what was happening at the Donbass was basically the Russian cubs were there and laws that were being enacted were detrimental and there was fighting and there was other things going on that was hurting the bears, the baby bears. So you play with the, the bear's cubs, you harm the cubs, and the bear reacted. I mean, what part of understanding that is so difficult for people in policy and not to give any leeway to another country and instead to just label it in propaganda? What's interesting to me, Don, is on what the United States was founded, we're now becoming something so opposite. We're becoming things that we were against or the country was against of why it was even founded. And now the countries that were attacking or that were the extreme totalitarian are now sounding much more reasonable than the United States. I mean, there's something wrong well, with this picture. Well, for all the, the good America has done, both you and I, our ancestors came from Europe mm -hmm. to find yes. a better place to live and, and found it here absolutely for freedom we have to acknowledge that the late charles Kuralt, one of my favorite commentators of all time in cbs he said the following the last year of his life he toured america once again he went in his his vehicle mm -hmm. camped out had a great time and he says i have discovered that americans don't all think alike I still remember that commentary. 
And I guarantee you, Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, Albania, uh, let's go into Siberia, where I had an ancestor settle involuntarily, by the way. <laughs> he wasn't happy to be there, although was, I hear it's a beautiful place. Now, people don't all think alike. And at this point in time, do we have to invade another country or send billions of dollars to enhance no. its destruction? And rack up the inflation in the United States for United States citizens so that we're all paying for this. And also treat Ukrainians like they are gods because, you know, look what's happening in Haiti. Right now you've got gangs running Haiti and refugees oh. fleeing, but they're not getting the treatment that the Ukrainians are. They're not getting oh. anybody telling them that these gangs are now infringing on mm. sovereignty of the, not understanding the culture. Right. We have different cultures here in the United States. You go That's north, right. you go south, you, you're in a totally different culture. And how they expect the Russians to think like an American is just beyond me. We tested that proposition. We engaged intensely with the Russians, directly, uh, with NATO, with the, the OSCE. Others did too, uh, all in coordination, very close coordination. And I had a moment with Lavrov, the foreign minister. We were meeting in January, so just uh, a few weeks before the invasion. And after our meeting with our, with our teams, uh, I pulled him aside and said to him, look, you need to tell us what is going on. Is this really about your practical security concerns? Or is this about the theological, the, the view that Ukraine is not its own country and that your president is determined to erase its uh, independence, erase its identity, and subsume it into Russia? If it's the former, we need to keep on with the diplomacy. We need to keep on with the dialogue because uh, there are ways that uh, we can we can address this together and address the many concerns that we have about Russia's threats to uh, to security in Europe and beyond. But if it's about uh, the latter, if it's about the the, the 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 theological, the philosophical that Ukraine's not its own country, then we have a fundamental uh, problem, and you need to know that um, you're going to suffer severe consequences for anything that you do. We had worked very hard to bring other countries along with this, not only in the diplomacy and in the dialogue, but also to prepare. And one of the big advantages that we had in, um, in this aggression, as opposed to 2014, when Russia first went into Ukraine, is we had time because of all the information we had to actually build the response. This last clip, we're going to be introducing Lavrov next, who also references these same meetings. And let's see what he has to say. But in contrast now to what Blinken just stated, but what Blinken said was very deep, deep discussions, yes. But those discussions were still our way or the highway. And this talk about pulling Lavrov aside and what Russia wants to really do is eliminate this territorial integrity. And again, this word of Russia aggression. This is a common theme when it's really what they're doing is they are eliminating, trying to eliminate by painting this Russia's demands, Russia's concerns, and painting it in such a way that nobody would ever listen to the Russian side 
they would just listen to this side and rule out imperialistic, barbaric Russia. Keep showing images from that war. Forget that some of the U.S. wars that I mentioned were even more violent. Forget that, that there have been far more violent wars, that a lot of wars look like this. But that's the aim of the media. So then everybody is walking around like these robots from the casinos, indoctrinated, Russian aggression, Russia aggression, Putin monster, Russia aggression, have to stop, almost worst war in the world. And they're just repeating the narrative that they've been indoctrinated. They don't even know they've been indoctrinated, Don. I would love your two cents right now. I hope these people who go to the casinos win and get a jackpot. That's the first <laughs> thing. I, I like to see people win. However, I don't see there's any winning in this war. It's just, it's just carnage and blood and doesn't make any sense. And we're inflaming the pot. Right. But in one of Lavrov's speeches, he was talking about the bodies that the United States has left behind in its wars, why are those not being broadcast? Why are you just seeing constant with Ukraine? And the thing about constant with Ukraine is, again, it's all pinned on Russia. When Bennett revealed that there was already an agreement where this war could have been ended, but the West kept it going. So who then is responsible for those bodies? Russia or well, the United States? Well, the United States, a no-brainer. Who's ever firing the gun is the one who's guilty. So how about who is funding the gunner? Funding the funding gunner. The gunner. Sending the guns. Sending the bullets. Sending the bullets, the, the weapons. So those talking share, to the leader to make sure there's no peace agreement. So everybody shares in the responsibility of this tragedy and carnage. The US and European citizens are paying for it to keep this war going through the inflation. So now let's listen to Sergei Lavrov in comparison. Very different style, very different presentation, different media, different questions. But listen to how detailed Lavrov is. Unlike Blinken, who repeats a narrative over and over and doesn't really go into detail, leaves out a lot of detail. So let's listen to the contrast. And I'd like your opinion. Powerful countries do not cooperate or even mostly don't talk to each other, that has an impact on their capacities to find solutions to international issues, which requires joining up efforts. That's an objective thing. What is required for the relations to be, be brought, back, brought back to normal states? Well, normal state, what is that? It will not be as in the past anymore. As Stoltenberg has said, that the relations between Russia and, and NATO and the West will not be as they were in the past. That's what we have said. We said there will be no more such situation when you are lying to us, when you're signing some documents and going back on your word, as it happened with the Russia-NATO Council Declaration, as it happened with Istanbul OEC Declaration, OEC Declaration from Astana in 2010, as it happened with the Ukrainian settlement agreement in February 2014, guaranteed by France, Germany, and Poland, as it happened with Minsk agreements that were signed not only by France and Germany, but they were also endorsed by the United Nations Security Council. All these agreements were completely disregarded. They were not even going to implement them. 
they were lying to our face. They were signing that at the level of ministers and prime ministers and presidents. They were signing these lofty promises. So we stopped taking their word for it. That used to be the Russian tradition. When the merchants used to agree and everything, they just shook hands on it. And if you don't deliver later, then no one would even respect you. So we learned our lesson that that doesn't happen when we were promised that NATO would not expand. So we started signing documents, political, politically binding and legally binding documents. For example, the United Nations Security Council resolution on Minsk agreements is a legally binding document. Now, the US, is calling upon Russia for Russia to leave the Ukrainian territory and to implement the UN Charter. This charter, among other things, mentions that all members of the United Nations should implement the United Nations security resolutions. And such resolution on the Ukraine, on the Minsk agreements, was simply sabotaged. And that's why the conflict was impossible to settle without any additional suffering. Wow. <laughs> Did you hear, that's why I said, Sergei Lavrov is an encyclopedia of international agreements. Did you hear every single agreement he cited, including the expansion of NATO and referencing the same as Blinken, although Blinken didn't go into his, the same number, but referencing the OSCE as Blinken did, but also referencing so much more. Now, Somebody needs to rebut this within the United States State Department and do some kind of a piece to, to say maybe how their version of how this went. Because right now, uh, Lavrov is coming out on top because he's citing so many agreements, the lying, he's saying that NATO was not to expand, and it did, and Minsk Accords, that's another thing. There was a piece that came out not too long ago about Angela Merkel stating that it was really so that Ukraine can arm. So there was more going on here. And Angela Merkel referenced it and Lavrov references it. And all you hear about is propaganda. This doesn't sound like propaganda. This sounds like a man who's like a lawyer who's giving facts. What's your opinion? Where's the emotion? You know, where's the the thought process? No, where's we keep where's, hearing, where's Don, the brain power? But Don, we keep uh, hearing how Russia's the Russians are the bad guys. We keep hearing this. We keep hearing about Russia propaganda. I listened to that speech. That sounds like a very knowledgeable person who's like an encyclopedia of international agreements and talking about ones the United States is violating. And then you have Blinken who's stating that there were deep, deep discussions with the Russians. Well, what deep discussions? It was our way or the highway discussions. You do exactly as we say or else. I think we should have a convention of stupid people, bring them together, and then at the end show the Russians are coming, the movie The Russians Are Coming, with uh, Alan Arkin and Johnny Whitaker. I think that's what they need to see again. The Russians are coming. Now, what's your thoughts here? Yeah. Um, you've listened to both. Well, and after listening to both. After listening to both, I think. Uh, are you hearing what I'm hearing? I am. 
I don't think anybody's listening. That's what I really, that's my... First of all, let me tell you about Sergei Lavrov, what's well, really tragic. Is here you have a man this sophisticated, this knowledgeable. He is a... The physicist, yeah, the man yeah, who loves the, physics and, and is analytical a walking, background. Analytical, yeah. you see it in, uh, there's a speech I read of his from 2014, right. but he's an encyclopedia of these agreements. And as bullies, he goes to Africa. They go to the Africans, don't talk to Lavrov. Don't talk to Lavrov. Stay away from him. Hmm. He goes to the UN. Everybody, nobody will listen to him. Everybody walks out basically because it's Lavrov speaking and he should be treated with respect. And this is how they treat him. And by the way, the United States is supposedly a Christian nation. You'll have these evangelicals going on about a Christian nation. This is how we treat diplomats from other countries. On the other hand, when the Israeli ambassador of the United Nations speaks, they also walk out on him and they protest, and they signal to the cameras how angry they are, and they're fed up with Israel. Oh, that's so, right, too, because Israel is another country. Right. Wait a minute, there's the, there's the contradiction. They want to tout sovereignty. And even Ursula von der Leyen touted the EU as sovereign, even though the Federalist ideology on which the European Union is built actually speaks against national sovereignty as traditional and outmoded form of government. But yet, when it served European Union's purpose, she touts European sovereignty. You have the US, as we hear, sovereignty over and over again. But now, as you just highlighted, which is a topic on our show. Israel's sovereignty is not respected. So uh, we said in Israel, Ode Palm, once again, this is happening. It's like a rerun. I love Lucy. It's like a rerun. Yeah. Okay, let's listen to the finale of what Mr. Lavrov has to say. Somehow, after September, the U.S. have discontinued the strategic dialogue. Now, when they say that we need to bring it back, well, we were not to tear it up. None of the dimensions of our cooperation or contacts was discontinued by the U.S., not by Russia. Following them around and asking them, let, let, let's be friends again, well, it's not up to us. They know that we're serious people and we'll always respond to serious appeals. President Biden requested uh, President Putin that Burns should meet with Navish King. The meeting took place. It was a very serious event. It was quite useful. There was no breakthrough, but a serious dialogue by itself is valuable. So it's not a meeting when you are just simply having mutual recrimination against one another. When there is a serious, mutually respectable dialogue, it's always good at the bulls that they're caught right now. I think Lavrov also relayed a couple of things about Russian culture, that when a Russian gives their word, they keep the word, and finally, that they're serious people, they're open to discussion, and that the ball is now in the U.S.'s court. And I think it's because Russia has made it very clear what its position is. And what's tragic in all of this, Don, is that you have the U.S. propaganda, Western propaganda, these catchphrases. Not only have they sought to annihilate basically Russian society from the earth, maybe that's an, a little bit of an exaggeration, but essentially that's the path it's on, but also any of the demands, concerns, discussions are just off the table because it's bullyocracy. It's barroom diplomacy, 
And I think it's tragic that this is where the United States has gone from being a Christian nation with principles. Mm -hmm. Now, this is where we are. And instead, we, our allies are Europe, which is building its own empire that is not in American interests. And who knows where that's going to go and how that will eventually bite us in the foot. The tragedy is that I'm sure that sometime in the future, there will be regrets that there wasn't better relations. That was not worked on for better relations between the United States and Russia. And that's really what we advocate on this channel, is improved right. relations Absolutely. between the United States and Russia. This is not in the United States' best interests. And that's why we're calling out this policy. And we don't believe that the Russians are, un, are unreasonable. And we don't believe the media's narrative, the media that is now an additional weapon with sanctions. We have more in common than that which is not in common. Yes. And, and we are still a nation of faith, but our faith is being tested right now to its limits. I think we could agree on that. It's very, very bizarre times to live in. Yes, and we're seeing it in our own nation's in the foreign policy. Well, till next time, stay tuned for our next broadcast. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Shalom, shalom, shalom. Next time for more from Don Provder and Erica Gray for their twist on world news.